All right. Hour three. Hour three. I guess it feel. I almost said it feels like we just got here, but it's well. Yeah, some of us did. Um, I've got the thirty minute shift today. It's it's great. You've earned it with all the times you've had to cover me. As um, uh, as Gunny said, part timer. Hey, Quinn just texted me. I was I was trying to go through and and realize all the Final Four teams that I've lost in the first round. Uh. Quinn writes, losing to Bucknell in the first round of the 04-05 season will always be the one that I hang my hat on. They had the team to win it and bleeped the bed. The Can- the Kansas team that lost to Bucknell? Yeah, 0405. Mm. Yeah, I mean it was it was Miles Langford Simeon. Yeah. And they started that season number one. But it was kind of you know, when you go back, it wasn't uh it started coming apart at the seams a little bit late for Kansas. Yeah. It was great early, but then that final third of the season was sort of just okay, and then, lo and behold, they lost to Bucknell. McNaughton hit that big shot. I was listening to Bill Self's post game after the West Virginia game. I was I was a couple days late, and I was listening to it yesterday afternoon, and he said something really interesting about that game that stayed with me that uh, – if that was a second round or if that was a first or second round NCAA tournament game, we'd be going home. He goes, if we played like that, West Virginia's probably like an 8-9. I think he said second round. I'm, I don't think Bill Sells expecting to lose to a 16. But he goes, that's that's an 8-9 team right there. West Virginia's probably an 8 or a 9 C type team that we'll see. And if we play like that, we're going to get beat. So that scared me, Josh, on moving Kansas any further in my bracket. <laughs> Because everything that's happening right now in college basketball revolves around me not losing a Final Four team in the first round. I feel like Kansas is a pretty safe bet to the Sweet 16. Which, I feel pretty good, too. You know, maybe that's the captain no-brainer statement because they're going to be a number one seed, and if they win the Big 12 tournament, if they if they beat Texas and win the Big 12 tournament, they might be the number one overall seed True. going in. True, But uh, I just don't see them as somebody that's getting beaten either of the first couple of games. And honestly, I think they're a pretty safe bet to the Elite Eight right now. I just think Bill Self's kind of figuring out how to win games in the tournament. I think you're right. You ready for the top five stories of the day? I'm just about ready. All right. Uh, hour three, as always, is brought to you by Mop and Roofing, locally owned and operated Fully insured, licensed, and bonded mopping roofing, serving all of Oklahoma in business for over 35 years. You can call them today at 405-703-3843. It's time for the top five stories of the day. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Best reels in the Metro. Happy hour Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. Exit 107 off I-44, Newcastle Casino. All right, big story number five. Number five. Matt Eberflus, the Bears head coach, is talking at the NFL Combine. He did not look with a ball cap off how I expected him to look. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen Matt Eberflus without like a ball cap on and headset. He literally looks like a character from like Better Call Saul that shows up down on his luck. To, he's like, I need your help. I need your help. Hair slicked back. Jacket doesn't fit him right. Guy doesn't necessarily exude confidence, man. I'm out on the Bears. I'm out. So you're saying trade the number one overall pick. Trade the number one overall pick. But the NFL Combine is underway, 
So we've had a, a lot of different, I guess you could say, nuggets that have taken place here this morning. And these aren't necessarily out of the combine. These are just moves that, as we get closer to the start of the league year, teams have to make to get under the salary cap. But the Washington Commanders, they waived Carson Wentz, what was that, yesterday, and they put the franchise tag on Jerron Payne today. I don't know if defensive tackle franchise tag talk is what you came to the rush uh, to the uh, ref for today, but here we are. Or the rush later. Or the today. rush later. I'm sure Teddy will be all over it. Uh, Joe Douglas said moments ago the Jets are having conversations with Quinn and Williams on a big-time extension, and Jets GM Joe Douglas said the club had a fantastic visit with Derek Carr. No timeline on when he'd like a decision on adding a quarterback. They will meet again with Carr in Indy. Quote, high-level producer, but really a phenomenal person, very authentic, ultra-intelligent, very comfortable in his own skin, and highly competitive. Notes the talent level on tape. We're going to respect his process. Better move for the Jets, Carr or Rodgers? I mean, listen, Rodgers is the better quarterback, right? It's just can you handle what's going to come with it? Well, Carr, you've got maybe five, six more, you know, what what you've gotten out of Derek Carr's seasons so far to this point, right? So mm-hmm. the longevity – you can't pull me into this conversation. I, I know, yeah. Because you sorry. know, I'm. I, I, there are certain times where I'm like, hey, I'm out. I'm out, right? And I, I have to be out on any Derek Carr conversation because I'm just, I'm a firm believer that he's a dude. And my owner is not. I, I honestly think that Josh McDaniels would fight for him too. But Josh McDaniels won 6-11 and 11 and he's got to find something else. And I honestly think that Josh McDaniels thought Tom Brady or Mac Jones would be coming to Vegas. And they're not. Um, other moves today, Marcus Mariota is out in, what, what am I trying to say here? Marcus Mariota is out in Atlanta and, and more. more news and nuggets will break throughout the day. But as it stands right now, yeah, it looks like we're not going to have a decision on either Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers during the combine. That's me trying to jinx it. Uh, no on-the-field activity until Thursday. So these next two days are really interviews. Uh, I, I think Teddy has said it's the worst part of the combine. Picks, prods, you know, all kinds of uncomfortable questions. But also interviews from a fan's perspective where you can kind of get an idea as to where your team is heading in the offseason. Anything else NFL news-wise, combine-related, caught your eye? Um Mel Kuyper Jr. had Will McDonald as the eighth pick overall in the NFL draft in his most recent mock. Mr. Iowa State. Which I find fascinating. What uh, What's our schedule for the combine look like? You know what? I just had that up here yesterday, and I realized I've got 800 tabs currently open, in case you can't tell. <laughs> so, I Thursday is defensive lineman. That's what Thursday is. So, you'll get the, you'll get the big dudes. You'll get the big guys on Thursday. And I don't think the receiver, the running backs are until Saturday. So I'll, I'll pull it up here while we get to big story number four. Number four. All right. So literally, I didn't realize how short that was. But I'll get the full combine schedule coming up here in a bit. No stress. No stress. Big story number four. Major League Baseball has some new rules. And everyone's losing their mind about the hitter's clock, 
pitch clock. Max Scherzer, on the other hand, he doesn't have time for your complaining. Kind of knew what this was going to look like and knew, you know, seeing how, how this is going to be implemented and the, the, really the power that the pitcher has now. I mean, I can completely dictate pace. Um, I mean, the rule change of the hitter only having one time out is a, <laughs> changes the complete dynamic of the, you know, of the hitter and pitcher uh, you know, dynamic. So, um, yeah, I love it. I can kind of work quick. I can work ext- actually. I can work extremely quick, or I can work extremely slow. So I can. There's another layer here to be able to mess with the hitter's timing. Oh, look at Max. Next level, Max. Look at the big brain on Max. But you know, quick take on this, on everything. I always feel like we overreact in the preseason, and it does. It gets itself worked out by the time you get to the regular season. Especially since baseball spring tw- training is like a whole freaking season for most sports. Ah, here game 30 of spring training, everybody. I'm, of course, bitter about spring training since Gavin Lux's injury is now confirmed. Saw Dodger Blaine reach out. Torn ACL, done for the year. Oh, man. Sucks. And, you know, I don't know. It's kind of been back and forth. If he was going to be either shortstop, either second baseman, be the third baseman. I was kind of thinking that he had carved himself out a nice, a, a nice niche. You know, here is here's your dude, right? This is a guy that, if you're a nerd for, if you're a nerd for like minor league baseball, like I am, and, and coming through the process, this is a guy that has been a Dodger from day freaking one, man. And kind of has that Dustin Pedroia feel to him. Uh, I know he was their full-time second baseman last year, but there had been some buzz about him moving to short this year. And I'm, uh, I'm bummed, man. I'm bummed. Meanwhile, on that same day, San Diego gets to celebrate as they just gave Manny Machado – I feel like every offseason they give him like a 10-more-year deal. It's like, didn't you just give Manny Machado a 10-year deal last year? It does seem like he's gotten multiple big deals. Hey, uh, I can see the Padres front office. Hey, guys, um, have we given Machado another $300 million yet? Let's get on that. Let's get on that. No, but the Gavin Lux stuff has me bombed. All right, big story number three. Sorry. Number three. Here's your combine schedule, by the way, Josh. It only took me two numbers. Defensive linemen and linebackers Thursday. Defensive backs Friday. Quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, cert day, and then on Sunday, running backs and offensive linemen. Okay. So, there's your rundown. So, are they meeting with teams these first couple That's of days? That's right. That's right. Meeting with teams, and then we'll get into the uh, on-field workouts, including the 40-yard dash on Thursday for the D-line and the linebackers. Let's go. Your boy from Iowa now is shooting up the draft board. Mr. Lucas Van Ness. Van Ness. Saw him projected as the sixth pick in the draft last night. He's a freak. Now, he was a, a spot guy mm-hmm. at Iowa. He he wasn't even a starting defensive lineman. Uh, so, people are just enamored with his physical traits. You know, there's a couple of clips that have made the rounds of him absolutely uh, manhandling both Skaronsky and Paris Johnson, which if you do that versus the perceived top two offensive tackles in this class, that's probably going to translate well, well to uh, a group of guys that – Look at this thing. Guys and gals, I should say. Decision makers that say, you know what? Yeah, let's go with the potential. <laughs> let's let's go with the potential on this one. I think we're good. All right, big story number three is as we just hit NBA last night 
we got news. The Lakers are coming to town next uh, tomorrow, and the news on LeBron James' ankle doesn't appear to be good right now. Why do I keep doing that? Doesn't appear to be good, at least in the front with LeBron James. Well, I think the game um, will dictate what we need to do. Tonight, offensively, from the, from the exterior, we, we were not shooting the ball extremely well. So we have the ability to now look at ways we can be good. Okay, if we can't shoot it well, you know, we need to still get the ball popping, but we need to drive those closeouts. We need to, you know, get the ball in the paint. You know, we need to get offensive rebounds when we're not shooting well. So, you know, to be able to have that ability to be able to say, okay, if we're not shooting well, we can still be in the game. We can still be productive. Uh, that's the key for our ball club. Lakers will play the Grizzlies tonight and then in OKC tomorrow. OKC has the Kings tonight and then the Lakers tomorrow. Unlikely LeBron's going to play in either one of those games. But as he said, hey, the game's going to kind of dictate it. But I feel, I mean, Woj is making it sound like, Josh, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. So I hate it for the fans whenever, you know, you get a star like LeBron coming to town, you don't know how many more trips he's going to make and he can't play. But also it's, Kind of nice enough to worry about the Lakers if you're the Thunder playing with LeBron James, especially with the way that he's been playing this year and where these two teams are kind of in that same battle right now for that 10 spot. Trying to get into the play-in. Mm-hmm. All right, big story number two. Number two. Is there anything else? Oh, I did have can – I, can I break protocol here? Sure. I did have one more cut I wanted to play on the NBA. Do you happen to hear Jason Kidd on what's wrong with the Mavericks? Let's hear it. As a team, we got to mature, and uh, we have to grow up if we want to win a championship. There's no young team that's ever won a championship, uh, mentally or physically. And so, um, again, two and a half quarters, we're playing at a high level on both ends, uh, offensively and defensively. But what the Lakers just showed us is that it's not, it's not a race. It's not the rabbit who wins. It's the turtle. And, and they, they work the game, and, and that's where we have to get to. We have to get better at working the game, and uh, we will. We got to grow up. Dang, man. Let's go. I, I, I will say Jason Kidd's done this long enough. You caught his quick clarification, right? He's like, we got to grow up. I mean, if we want to win a championship. Uh, are you worried about Dallas falling apart a little bit since that loss to the Lakers on Sunday? Not necessarily. I'd like to see him. T- I mean, no, I, don't, I want TJ to be happy, but I wouldn't mind seeing him slide just a little bit. Just a bit. I don't think that they would be my favorite right now to win the West. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But then again, because you've got Luka Doncic, you you pretty much always say, well, they're a factor. You feel like they're a team that you would not be surprised at all if you looked up and either they're fighting to stay out of the play-in tournament or they're fighting for like the three seed. Either right. one of them would, would fit. All right. Um, are we big story number two? Oh, yeah, we just played it because I had to add the NBA thing. From last night. Baylor. Wow. What a performance again by Jalen Bridges. Bridges. Three pointer with yeah, Bridges with a three. Just a quiet three. It came really easily for him. Very odd play call of Baylor's three point bucket. Who who chose that clip? I mean, guys, you literally were rolling on a whole half of a game and you choose a clip where the analyst is stumbling all over him. Well, uh, Bridges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three-pointer with yeah, Bridges with a three. Just a quiet three. <laughs> what are we even what are we even doing? 
I think they chose that clip just be just to infuriate you and me. Probably. Here's Bridges firing again and hitting another three from the right-hand corner. So, no Keontae George last night. More minutes for Jalen Bridges. He responds again. 14 points, 3 of 8 from beyond the three-point arc. Cryer uh, was really good last night. Didn't shoot the ball that well. He finished with 15. And Baylor might have officially pushed Oklahoma State to the wrong side of the bubble with a 74-68 win. Josh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in his final update last night, Joe Lenardi said, hey, this is a loss for Oklahoma State that pops them off the bubble in a bad way. West Virginia could afford a loss, but of course West Virginia went to Ames and won last night. I think the panic level is growing a little bit in Stillwater. Man, five-game losing streak. All of a sudden now, and you look at each of these last three, yes, Kansas State and Baylor, of course, very challenging. A couple of teams that we might be talking about when it's all said and done, deep runs into March, but get them at home. you got to try and win those games when you're trying to get into the dance. And then obviously just uh, you know Morgantown, how poorly they played there. That's probably the most costly one of the last five. Yeah, did not play well at all in Morgantown. You Speak- can go, go south in you, south on – in a hurry on you in this league. So we had always put seven as the magic number of Big 12 games you have to win in order to be a legit contender for an at-large spot. And Oklahoma State is there, so they're in the mix. Uh, we, I don't think Texas is going to get there. Our Texas Tech, excuse me, is going to get there. But West Virginia last night, it's sixth Big 12 win of the season. They're on the right side of the bubble for now. But 72-69 over Iowa State, man, it is – it's falling apart, Josh, for Iowa State right now. I don't – you know, on Saturday against the Sooners, they just didn't shoot the ball well, give credit to Oklahoma's defense. You know, last night they shot the ball a little bit better, but um, double-digit turnovers, they they got barely beat on the board. It's just – it's – Yeah, they've, they've lost four in a row. And most recently, let's see – Joe Lenardi had them as like a six, and they've got to be tumbling down to the eight nine, eight, nine area yeah, right 10, now. 11. But the other, why am I blanking? Jerry Palm had them as like a three seed still. So no way they're still in that category. But Iowa State falling apart down the stretch, which means as far as oh my gosh, I didn't even think about this. So here's the tiebreaker in the Big Twelve, right? Let's say Texas beats TCU. Texas beats TCU. They're 12 and 5. So West Virginia, if they, I mean, if Kansas loses, then it's a much, much different story, but I don't expect Kansas to lose to Texas Tech tonight. So if both Kansas and Texas finish 12 and 5, the tiebreaker is you go down the, the rankings until you find a common opponent that they have a better record against. I think it would still be getting down to TCU because they both split against Baylor. They both split against Kansas State. And I think they both split against Iowa State. So even if somehow Iowa State would finish ahead of TCU, Texas would have swept TCU if they win tomorrow night, and Kansas would have split with TCU. At least that's what I, that's how I understand the tiebreaker in the Big 12 right now. Gotcha. But now, they, but Texas, they, Texas got to win. Both. They got to win two games, right? And, and it's at TCU versus Kansas. Uh, my understanding is that you know the tiebreaker goes 
to whomever would have the better record going down. But you've got to get to that tiebreaker if you're Texas. And Fort Worth is not going to be an easy place. Home against Kansas is going to be rocking. But what has Kansas been? A very good team in Big 12 play um, at home. So we'll, we'll see. All right, excuse me, Big 12 play on the road. Doesn't matter home or away. They played real well on the road. Sands maybe the Iowa State game. Heck, when TCU beat him, it was in Fog Allen. I know. Smacked him up in, in Lawrence. Which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. I, I just want, I want to like drop all the OU stuff in one blanket big story number one. So we'll talk OU softball being number one. OU women's hoops still being alive for a potential Big 12 championship thanks to Baylor beating Texas last night. Women's gymnastics with KJ, who came on earlier, previewing their big weekend ahead. Plus, you know, the, the, the keep up alive mantra that you got to love for hoops as they get set for a big one tomorrow night in Manhattan against Kansas State. We'll dive into them all coming up next, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. I, I'm judging every single general manager that steps to the podium by how they're dressed right now, watching the NFL Network's coverage of the Combine. Mark Desher at OU Photo Guy. Just recently mentioned, I haven't looked in Mel Kuyper's most recent mock draft yet. Um, I have one computer that's logged into ESPN Plus, and it's my Mac at home. For some reason, I'm afraid to log out. But he said that he had Anton Harrison all the way to 13. 13th in the most recent mock draft. Wow. That would be a surprise, though – one thing we've known about Anton for a long time is he's been what Bruce Feldman freaks list. Mm-hmm. So see, and that's where I'm. I, I was talking about this yesterday. I don't know how he's going to test. Right? Um, I've seen him on the freaks list, but it was one year, and he didn't show back up on it. <laughs> right? Yeah, the following that's year, true. and you know, I can you hear stories about oh man, dude, watching. Kenneth Murray or watching Oboe or watching X, Y, and Z, they're gonna they're gonna put up some numbers. Who was the who was the most recent freakish guy when we said, wait till they see, wait till they see what he can do? And ended up putting up numbers like we thought. I mean, I don't know if I have that feel with Anton Harrison. I don't remember hearing a lot of dude, he just did this in the locker room or he so I don't I don't know how well he's gonna test. But it shouldn't matter, right? It shouldn't matter because good is good. And I told you guys yesterday that when you start looking at these mock drafts, some of them, mostly all of them, are done for clicks. <laughs> and the one consistent is this isn't a deep offensive tackle draft. So there is a chance for major movement up for a guy like Anton Harrison. I don't think he's going 13th. I would feel pretty confident telling you he's not going 13th. I would also like to see him at least go in the first round. So I don't, <laughs> I don't have that hall that high. 25 or later. 25 or later. Unless again he goes out and just does freakish stuff, which is possible. But like I said, I don't remember hearing anything about it. Uh, it's not a bad thing, but it's just there wasn't these tales of my gosh. Do you hear about Teddy? Teddy, in his loafers, ran a 4-2-40. I also heard he had like a 200-pound backpack on, too. Like these these stories that grow and grow. Haven't really heard too many with the one Anton Harrison. 
Yeah, and Sooner Gundy, right before I could even get to the OU stuff, says Orlando Brown was very weak on the bench, ended up pretty good tackle. Yeah, I heard um, I heard Andy Staples talking about this yesterday. And he said Orlando Brown even told me, he was like, listen, I got super long arms, I'm going to struggle in the bench press, but watch my tape. And he ended up, I think it worked out pretty well with Orlando Brown. Indeed. Are you guys tagging him? Are you paying him? What's up? I would imagine they'll tag him again. Okay, I haven't seen an update on it is why I'm asking, so – we got until what Monday for franchise tags to be decided. I guess we'll wait till then, and then they'll draft Anton Harrison. We'll just keep the Oklahoma thing going. Yeah, I, I think that's what Shep had texted me last night. I said, "What do you think about tagging Brown and drafting Harrison?" I'm like, "I feel pretty confident about it." You have no holes. You have no holes in your team. You should give up your draft picks so other teams can have an opportunity. Uh, all right, so let's quickly capsulize everything that ended up happening and how it affects Oklahoma over the last 24 hours. The Sooners' hopes for a Big 12 regular season women's basketball championship stayed alive last night, thanks in part to what Baylor was able to do to Texas. Baylor beat Texas last night, so Oklahoma has Kansas State and Oklahoma State. If the Sooners win its last two and by the way, that Oklahoma State game is going to be tough. Cowgirls have played really good basketball down the stretch. But if Oklahoma wins its final two games, Kansas State beats Texas, OU will be the Big 12 regular season champs and the number one seed heading into the postseason. Here's the problem. Kansas State, not good. The last time they played Texas, they got beat by 46. <laughs> So what are you trying to say, that they're not going to beat Texas? I appreciate the hype and the belief, but let me remind you, the last time Texas and Kansas State played, Texas won by 46. 46. So that's uh, Oklahoma, the new, uh, new number one in the D1 softball rankings. I haven't seen uh, anything updated yet today. Usually it's it's right around the final hour of this show or later on. This afternoon, whenever it's released, would fully expect Oklahoma to be the number one team in the country. The coaches poll? Yes. Yes. Did I say it wrong? No, I I, I just – because we've, what, got the D1 softball poll and – Yeah, exactly. And D1 softball is not not necessarily the end-all, be-all. But, I mean, when they release it, the NCAA always gives them love, so obviously they're they're recognized. But let's see here. Oh, no, no, no we we don't have the uh, the new AP top twenty five as of yet. Here is one from. Oh, it just came out. It just dropped. You you surprised at all when I tell you that Oklahoma is still number one? Are the new number one? No, are they unanimous? They are unanimous. All twenty five first place votes. So, um. Yeah, it's just dropped, I guess, like literally 10 minutes ago. Oklahoma number one, followed by UCLA, Oklahoma State. Clemson is up to four. How about that? Followed by Florida State at five. Alabama is still ranked nine. That is ludicrous. I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, Baylor being 19 is kind of unheard of. Texas is Texas A and M is still in the top twenty five, but yeah, new rankings. Sooners lost the 
number one ranking last week with their 4-3 defeat to Baylor, but no matter. All 25 first place votes go the way of the Sooners. So, there you have it. Hey, bravo. One poll got it right. <laughs> someone, I still can't believe in the D1 softball poll, someone gave UCLA a first place. Vote. I know. It's honestly, it's another one of those, what Gary Parrish has made famous, the poll attacks. Yeah. yeah. Which, which has been kind of a cool column over the years. You need, in our version of the poll attacks, we have to, if this is another instance, we have to take your vote. You don't deserve the vote anymore. You have lost the privilege of the vote. It's too stupid. Alabama, Florida, Texas, Washington, Virginia Tech, Duke, Georgia, and Kentucky, uh, and Arizona, all being ranked ahead of Baylor, though, is criminal. It really, truly is. It is, you know, if you guys want to complain about D1Softball.com giving UCLA a vote, the fact that Baylor is mired in 19th on this list and that group is ahead of them with Florida, who just had a terrible weekend in Cathedral City, still ranked ahead of Baylor? I mean, what are we even doing? So, yeah, how about that? Basically by reputation going in. It has to be. That is... That I I that can't be right. That just can't be right. There is no way that you would have those teams ranked ahead of Baylor. Baylor has the single best win in college softball this year. The best win. And there's a good chance it might stay that way. You know, UCLA's win over Alabama and Florida State is good. But Baylor beat Oklahoma. <laughs> and the fact that they're just they're just mired in the lower teens is is unacceptable. I shouldn't say it might stay that way. I mean that in the sense that they might be the only one that has that win. Yeah, I think you're by right. By the time this regular season's all said and done. But maybe somebody else will get Oklahoma. It's definitely going to be if if Baylor's the only team that has it or if somebody else can rise up and beat OU, they will have the best win along with either themselves or one other program. How 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 could you watch softball and put any of those teams ahead of Baylor right now? I think you answered your own question. Oh, okay. They have not been watching softball. Arizona, Josh, Arizona is 10 and 5. All right. They're, Reputation. They're 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 10 and 5. And yeah, they've played some good teams. And yeah, they beat Virginia Tech. But their losses include or their wins include Drake I mean North Carolina State Kansas Long Beach State I just I don't get it I don't get it what was the we got a we had a good text we didn't get to yesterday UCLA gets a B plus what was what was that conversation from where the report card came out and the report card grades were terrible what what did that stem from oh I don't even remember now I don't even remember. I have no idea. I'm completely drawn blank to blank. Blank and blank gets uh Yeah. B minus. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Oh, and obviously we are we are definitely, definitely grading on a curve right now based on that performance yesterday. Five eight oh Nate. Uh yeah. UCLA gets a B plus. <laughs> Grades from the weekend. UCLA gets a B plus. 
Wait a second. Didn't they just get clobbered 14 to nothing? Well, you can't let 14 to nothing take away from their impressive win over Portland State or whomever. They re- you know, UCLA, on a sidebar, by the way, we're in, we're, in, we're in this right now, guys. We're not getting out of it. Uh, Oklahoma, the new number one in college softball. But um, you, UCLA played an incredible schedule in Clearwater. I mean, they might have played the most difficult Clearwater schedule possible. But, I mean, with the way things went this weekend – that and I mean they I was not all that good. A and M was was scuffling. They're all ranked teams, but I mean they might get challenged more this weekend than they did this past week. Whenever they go down to the Judy Garman Classic in Fullerton, I for feel UCLA. like you know we we could sit here and it, it is silly that somebody would vote UCLA number one, right? I, and there's other parts of the poll that you've discussed or we've discussed, and look, we disagree with it. Generally speaking, though, I think with polls we've gotten smarter I think over time in in this respect I think now because of what Oklahoma did to UCLA plank there's a loss down the road to where you lose that weekend and you don't drop out of number one right I mean hasn't Oklahoma sort of afforded itself that to where I mean it's going to take a surprisingly bad weekend and somebody else really really having done some special things to unseat Oklahoma at number one there's slip-ups there's banana peels down the road that you can find and still be, I think, ranked number one because of the way you beat UCLA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone's going to take notice. And I, I brought this up yesterday in thinking about the first home games of the weekend. There's Kentucky's a top 15 team. You know, I mean, Kentucky is a top 15 team. That's wild. And they're coming in here and everyone's like, we got to run rule them? How badly are we going to run rule them? Well, that's what happens when four out of the five uh, of the yeah. past week and we're run rules. All right, quick break. It's 1141. It's the Plank Show. Your texts are next. All right, welcome back into the Plank yeah, 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 Show yeah, yeah, right here on The Ref. Brian with Wyant also writes, the upset that killed me was back in the day when George Mason upset UConn. UConn burned me a couple years ago. Like, I always try to find this, hey, I think this four seed can make, five seed can make a run. I think they got beat in the first round. That, I blame that on Aaron Torres because he was selling UConn. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. might have been the year before. I'm going to go through my list of teams that burned me in the first round. I'm telling you, dude, it's like six of the last eight, maybe seven of nine, that I've lost a Final Four team in the first round. UConn's had some interesting tournament runs in that respect, which probably you could do this exercise with everybody. I mean, Kansas lost, what, to VCU in the Elite Eight? That was – Similarly shocking, I think both 11 seeds, right, mm-hmm. VCU and George Mason. But, uh, you know, you lose there, win national championships, obviously. But UConn, to lose that game to George Mason, but then go on the types of runs that they did with both Kimba Walker and Shabazz Napier out oh, of gosh. totally left field was just – I mean, their their NCAA tournament history has been kind of wild. Do you remember Shabazz Napier was the guy that Miami thought that LeBron wanted to play for? So they made all these draft moves to <laughs> right. get LeBron James, and he still went back to Miami – or to Cleveland. It's like, that's great and all. I'm going to go back home. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny. From the three one four, stand up, St. Louis – if this was a football poll, would OU still or would UCLA still be number one as they have a better loss? <laughs> yes. Well, we understand head to head is is important, but Oklahoma did lose to Baylor, and 
I mean, UCLA's only loss is Oklahoma, so we'll keep Oklahoma at number two and UCLA at number one. And as you can see, Baylor just on the fringe of the polls, not very well respected. Um, good question from the five eight zero. Will next season be Creed Humphrey's last year in his rookie deal? Well, they didn't draft him in the first round, so yes. You know, you get that fifth-year option when you draft him in the first round. So, why? That's his fourth year next year. So, yeah. Got to pay the man. He's going to get paid, too. He's going to get paid. Um, Yeah, I think they need to move on from Creed Humphrey. <laughs> I know. And, and Orlando and Tooney. And- I don't know what more can be accomplished by Patrick Mahomes, Josh. It's time to hang him up while he's ahead. Uh, From Sooner Gundy. Orlando Brown was very weak on the bench and ended up a pretty good tackle. I think the Chiefs have got to go wide receiver. There's one that says Josh just wants Harrison on the Chiefs. Well, I'm telling you what's going to happen, people. I've told Josh this. They're going to sit here at where you've got 31. It's technically, yeah, it's 31. It would be the 32nd pick, but yeah, it's 30. Dolphins had their pick taken from them. And they're going to get the best receiver in the draft. Like a Jackson Smith and Jigba or a Quentin Johnston's going to fall to him. Um, and that's what's going to happen. I'm just – I'm warning you now. Or someone's going to be like, oh, we don't take running backs in the first round, and boom, B. John Robinson's going to be a chief or something. Oh, we talked a little bit of baseball, the 405. Here's something crazy, guys. The Padres have three players on their team that are being paid around $800 million between them. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Now, granted, that's over the next 75 years, though. Ah a long time to go yeah it's it's not that's a little bit of an exaggeration but they've got they a bunch of those no we, bonkers we, deals when you say 75 years to go that's what you feel like i mean machado's deal is up when he's like 42 so he's like pushing my age whenever his contract is up oh he'll be great man we love him fun fact tyler from kellyville writes um they're related to the wall trips and his wife was very mad that he took her to see Cocaine Bear. Dry March for Tyler. I've heard horrible things about it, and I, I actually have been kind of excited to see it too. So, I same thing, talking about Cocaine Bear. Tyler was, by the way, the one that told his wife he was going to take her to a chick flick. Uh, uh, I'm, can I say that anymore? Did I just get canceled? <laughs> be careful, yeah, I I'm don't sorry. know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He was going to take him to a uh, show that might be more oriented towards... Female uh, audiences. Thank you. And he took her to Cocaine Bear instead and surprised her. But it's funny because I've heard, like, Sean. Sean's like, Cocaine Bear is amazing. And then the other day from another one of my buddies, like, Cocaine Bear is terrible. It's the worst thing I've ever watched in my life. When does Winnie the Pooh I don't the know Poo what to make of it. Is this the crazy Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, with like the horror. I think it's already out. Oh, it's already. Well, that's not a good sign right, for Winnie right, the Pooh. Right. I, I think it's already out, and I don't think it went so well. I thought Pooh I Bear was going to be a big hit. I did, too. Uh, and then 5808 writes, assuming when this pitch clock pendulum swings the other way, we'll end up with a last team standing MLB game. All right, last team standing. And a good question, which we'll, we'll ponder over during the break. Why is no one talking to Baker? Great question to wrap the show up with next right here on The Ref. Why do you think we're not hearing more about Baker, Josh Helmer? I have my theories. What's yours? He's a free agent. He can sign wherever he wants. Well, probably because he's not going to be a starting quarterback. Probably because he's a, a backup quarterback going forward in a lot of folks' minds. 
is probably the biggest reason, right? And that's Agreed. Why, you know, like Rodgers, obviously people would trade for. You're talking about a guy that's not far removed from being a two-time MVP. So that that's obvious. But Derek Carr is is not regarded in that same same way, right? I mean, I think everybody feels like Derek Carr still a bona fide starter in sure. the National Football League, and I don't know that that's the perception around Baker Mayfield. There's two starters right now outside of then maybe three to four first-round picks. And those – those did I say three? Two starters, I guess. In well, no, hold on, hold on. Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr. When those two dominoes tumble, then you have wherever the first-round picks go that will either decide – hey, we want him to go right away. We want Will Levis to play right away in Vegas or Carolina, or we want C.J. Stroud to play right away in Houston or Bryce or whomever. Or they might say, yeah, we need a bridge quarterback. And that bridge could be Baker, Jarrett Stidham, Jameis Winston, you know, five or six other guys who are free agents, Ty Hunley from Baltimore. But that's the unfortunate reality right now with Bake. I – I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Baker end up in Vegas. To be honest awesome. with you, I think that you know Jared. They were talking with bringing back Jared Stidham, but they also realized his limitations. Whenever they saw what happened, whenever teams like really have a, it was like oh, Jared Stidham starting. Okay, let's prepare. <laughs> and what the Chiefs did to him, yeah. So I, I wouldn't surprise me at all to see a team like Vegas end up with him, or say someone like Tampa. Even though this, I'm not buying any of this Kyle Trask smoke right now. I think I think Baker's gonna end up in a good situation. Look at Geno Smith, man. Get somewhere, get to play some games. Baker looked okay when he played with the Rams, so he's got a chance. He's just not gonna be one of the top options. He'll be a big fallback right now. Still, oh wait, Steelman's out, right? He's on vacation. My, man, I'd figure this out at some point. Parker, and Parker, Travis, I think, right here in the Brown O'Haver Studios with Travis next, right here on the Raptors.